the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Russia agrees to save corridors while bombing cities in Ukraine. What happens come mid-March, come longer in March, we're going to be left with very few options. Biden announces a ban on Russian oil. The United States um, won't be buying uh, Russian oil. Fires blazing in Florida. Evacuation orders uh, are being issued as we speak. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, March 9th. I'm Mike Scott. As we keep an eye on Ukraine, Russia announces the establishment of safe corridors to allow civilians to leave, but there appears to be few tankers right now. Evacuation routes led mostly to Russia and its ally Belarus, drawing withering criticism from Ukraine and others, while Russia reportedly continues to pound some cities with rockets even after the announcement of corridors. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg says Russia's armed forces may be deliberately targeting civilians as they try to flee the military assault on Ukraine. There are very credible reports of civilians coming under fire as they try to evacuate. Targeting civilians is a war crime, and it's totally unacceptable. Speaking to reporters... NATO Secretary General calls for safe routes for Ukrainians out of war zones. We need a real humanitarian corridors that are fully respected. In the Baltic states, Secretary of State Antony Blinken is wrapping up a short tour aimed at reassuring the former Soviet republics that NATO will guarantee their security as Russia's war with Ukraine rolls on unabated. Blinken was asked if the U.S. and its allies are doing enough to protect the Ukrainian people against Russian attacks. We brought the world together uh, in, uh, in this effort. 141 countries stood up at the United Nations condemning the aggression and supporting Ukraine. And in the days and weeks ahead, working closely with our allies, uh, we will step up the support that we're providing, the efforts uh, to uh, help Ukraine uh, defend itself and to, uh, to support its people. Estonian Prime Minister Kaya Kallas says in addition to helping defend Ukraine, there needs to be a longer-term approach to deterring Russian aggression. We will keep uh, finding new tools in our toolbox until Putin's war machine has been paralyzed. We are in this for the long haul. Back here on the home front, the Pentagon Tuesday rejected Poland's surprise announcement that it would give the United States its MiG-29 fighter jets for use by Ukraine, a rare display of disharmony by NATO allies. Joshua Huminski, the director of the Mike Rogers Center for Intelligence and Global Affairs, joined the Salem Radio Network to discuss 
tactics America should be using to deter Russian President Putin's aggression against Ukraine. Sanctions are going to take some time to have an effect, and you're already starting to see some initial impact in the economy. The ruble has dropped precipitously. The Russian stock market, I believe, is closed probably through the rest of this week, if not longer. And to your point about what happens come mid-March, come longer in March, we're going to be left with very few options. Um, We will have expended the sanctions tools, and this is where the risk of potential escalation uh, starts to creep in. On talks of a no-fly zone, Huminsky says it's not an option. A no-fly zone means it has to be enforced, which means you're going to have NATO or American pilots engaging Russian pilots and Russian ground troops, uh, potentially targets inside of Russia. And that is a very slippery, escalatory slide to potential conflict and expanded conflict, which I think... Putin has been reluctant to do thus far. I think that's why you haven't really seen uh, a lot of cyber attacks. That's certainly why you haven't seen anything against NATO states because of the risk of escalation and expansion. Huminsky believes that the problem that many Western nations have is that they believe Putin will react rationally. If you back Putin into a corner, he's more likely to potentially behave in a way that we would not necessarily say is rational. But for his perspective and from the Russian perspective is rational. So calls for regime change are very dangerous. Uh, Leaving him without ways of saving face is very dangerous. Um, And that's where I think it's interesting that we have not really seen much in terms of the way of an articulated end state that we want yet. When it comes to the demands of Russia, Huminsky had this opinion. Kremlin spokesperson articulated five points that would lead to an immediate end to hostilities for the Russians. And Zelensky came back and said, uh, no, to any ultimatums in terms of demilitarization or amending Ukraine's constitution. But that Crimea and the uh, DNR and LNR regions, uh, which recently declared independence, could potentially be on the table. And this is where we need to realize that war and diplomacy happen simultaneously. They do not happen independently of one another. You don't just stop fighting and then start talking. You're continuing to talk while you're fighting. And I think that, for me, that's part of the alarming situation, is that we're not seeing that component yet. Huminsky emphasized the need for leaving an off-ramp for President Putin. Leaving an exit strategy for Putin where he saves face and looks like he has managed to achieve whatever ends he wanted to achieve. Um, I mean, the the denazification and demilitarization, uh, completely uh, false narrative that the Kremlin is pushing out, that's obviously not viable. But saying you, we will cede Crimea indefinitely. DNR and LNR will be independent territories. You must remove all of your forces from Ukraine and go back to the circa 2021 borders. uh, For the sake of argument, that is an exit strategy that will leave him a way to walk out, uh, claiming some sort of victory. Fires burning in Florida. Hundreds of residents forced to evacuate over the weekend as blazes in the Florida panhandle threaten their houses have been allowed to return home. But residents in neighboring counties were evacuated Tuesday as three wildfires grew to more than 29,000 acres. Florida's Fire Marshal and Chief Financial Officer Jimmy Petronas says the wildfires in northeast Florida are feeding on debris left by Hurricane Michael in 2018. Ghost. We can't get rid of the damn thing. And the, if you look at the path of the storm that it has taken, when it hit here in, in October of 2018, it's the exact same path the fire has taken. 
So as the fuel's on the ground, it's creating a, a, a pathway. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says hundreds of homes remain threatened by wildfires in a complex east of Panama City. All the evacuations for the Atkins Avenue fire have been lifted, which is great progress. The evacuation order is still in place for Bear Creek, and in Calhoun County, evacuation orders uh, are being issued as we speak. So please listen uh, to your local officials. President Biden has decided to ban Russian oil imports, toughening the toll on Russia's economy in retaliation for its invasion of Ukraine. President Biden came down hard on the Russian economy. Today, I'm announcing the United States is targeting the main artery of Russia's economy. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. The president says banning the importation of Russian oil is seen as favorable on both sides of the aisle in Congress. That means Russian oil will no longer be acceptable at U.S. ports and the American people will deal another powerful blow to Putin's war machine. This is a move that has strong bipartisan support in the Congress and, I believe, in the country. In an effort to find alternative countries from which to import oil, the Biden administration is facing bipartisan backlash over the possibility of easing sanctions against Venezuela to order the country to increase exports of oil. Jerry Boyer, host of the Meeting of the Minds podcast and editor of Town Hall Finance, joins the Daybreak Insider podcast to discuss President Biden's ban on Russian oil, the broader economy and its impact on the American consumer. We asked Boyer what his thoughts were on the Biden administration banning Russian oil. The United States um, won't be buying uh, Russian oil, won't be buying any oil from Russia, um, which also includes American companies. Um, I don't think it makes a big difference, to be honest with you. I think it's a symbolic issue. Boyer explains it's not the amount of Russian oil we import. It's about making an impact. The fact is that we import a very small proportion of our oil from Russia. Historically, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 1%. Um, And so it's not really a big ticket item. It's more like a symbolism item. I don't think it's going to make a huge difference to Russia unless we can get the whole world to stop buying their oil. But if we stop buying their oil and China buys more, then the Russians are still selling their oil. And it doesn't really amount to an increase in revenues for them. So I'm in favor of the legislation, but I think we have to be honest about which kinds of things really make a difference and which kinds of things are a moral statement. Will China, one of Russia's closest allies, ban Russian oil? But I don't see the Chinese joining in. The Chinese need oil. Um, you know, they're an industrial power. They're an oil importer. Uh, there's lots of places in the world that don't really care about human rights abuses. And a lot of them are oil importers. What would you say to those who believe American oil production won't have any impact on the Ukraine crisis or oil prices? If we produce more oil, all other things being equal, the price goes down. And we know that. I mean, the United States government has in the past, you know, criticized, say, the OPEC nations for cutting back on oil production to drive up the price. So, yes, the laws of supply and demand apply no matter what White House press plaques say. Some critics say it would take time for domestic oil production to impact the market. So why do it now? It takes some time, 
better to start now than if it's going to take six months to ramp up production. I mean, this thing isn't going away in a couple of weeks. This is a long-term geopolitical strategy. How would announcing an increase of oil production help Americans filling their gas tank? When you announce policies that change the rules, that kind of open up production, that tends to affect the oil futures market. In other words, these markets are forward-looking. So the price of oil isn't just about production costs now. The market participants, buyers and sellers, in the marketplace, they're buying futures, and if they think production is going to increase in the future, that can actually start driving prices down now. It's sort of like a double economic whammy. America confronting gas prices and the issue of inflation. So we've got this inflation going on, and then the central and that creates a bubble and that creates high prices and that's bad. But the only way to stop that is to start to decrease money supply, to tighten up on credit. That's what happened in the late 70s and early 80s, and we had a deep recession. So the problem is once you've become addicted to easy money, then you either continue the addiction forever or you have to go through a painful withdrawal process. We asked Boyer about the Fed raising interest rates this month. I personally don't think that uh, uh, Chairman Jerome Powell, chairman of the Fed, President Biden, the political class, maybe even the American people have an appetite for pain right now. We've had a lot of trauma and pain. So I think that the Fed will end up doing less of what it needs to do in order to fight inflation than it really needs to do. I think that they'll decrease money supply a little bit, tighten up a little. But if unemployment starts to rise or markets um, you know, fall off too much or the economy slows down, I think the central bank is kind of going to kind of lose its nerve and turn the money spigot back on again, which is why I think inflation is a long-term problem. If Americans can't deal with the withdrawal from the easy money, what do you think will happen in the long term? If we're not willing to face any tough times, if all we want is for the pain to go away, no matter what the cost, then all we do is kick the can down the road again with more spending, more money creation, and that means more inflation and more probability of a worse crisis later. A special thank you to Jerry Boyer for taking the time to join us on the Daybreak Insider podcast. To hear more from Jerry, you can read his work at townhallfinance.com or listen to his podcast, Meeting of the Minds. More than half of respondents to the latest Rasmussen poll say they think cheating may have played a role in the 2020 election. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew has the details. 83% of respondents say election integrity will be important in the 2022 midterms. 62% say the issue will be very important. Only 14% said they don't think election integrity is much of an issue. The results fly in the face of many in Washington and much of the media who often lampoon those who raise questions about irregularities in 2020. More than half of likely voters responding to Rasmussen say they think cheating affected the 2020 outcome. That includes 33% of Democrats. Bob Agner reporting. Another gaff-plagued stop for President Biden, who traveled to Fort Worth, Texas Monday to speak about expanding health care access to veterans. However, what the president said about Representatives Colin Aldred and Mark Vesey both Democrats, and Jake Elzey, a Republican, raised eyebrows. Biden said that two of the congressmen, Vesey and Aldred, look like they can play basketball. Both men are black. He added that Congressman Elzey looks like a dude who would bomb you. The three congressmen you have here, two of them look like they they really could and did play ball, and the other one looks like he'd bomb you. Critics are chalking it up to another instance of the president simply being a gaff machine. 
paying your bills late? You're really paying for it. Americans paid a whopping $561 million in late payment fees to electrical utilities in 2019. Daybreak Insider's John Scott has that story. But how much you pay depends on where you live. An AP analysis of federal regulatory data found that several major utility companies in states like Louisiana, Mississippi, Kentucky, Florida, and Maryland are charging late fees that are much higher than the national average. Late fees typically punish customers who are at least able to afford their utility bills to begin with. The fees account for a small part of major energy companies' overall revenue. But for the people who must pay them, they can be a crushing burden. John Scott reporting. And finally, a New Jersey dinner with a special treat. Michael and Maria Spressler of New Jersey found a pearl worth thousands of dollars in his usual dozen fresh clams on the half shell. And when I picked it up with the fork, it looked kind of heavy, but I didn't think nothing of it. And then when I started to eat it, I'm... I noticed something was in my mouth. I actually thought one of my tooth broke. Maria Spressler says something like this has never happened to them before. He's eaten dozens and dozens of clams, and we've never found anything like that. So it was pretty exciting. The Spresslers were already celebrating a special occasion. It was actually um, our anniversary of 34 years of coming here for the very first time. So that yeah, even makes it more special. we first came here Day weekend in 87. Yeah. In its 100th year, the Lobster House restaurant staff were giddy at the news that their loyal customers had perhaps found a small fortune in one of their clams. Despite telling local news that pearls of equal size, shape, and color are worth thousands of dollars, the couple decided to keep it as a celebration. I would like to have it set into a nice piece of jewelry, maybe with a mermaid or something nautical. Um, It's a beautiful remembrance of that day and and what we have is so special. The couple's find now has a few Lobster House employees thinking they may have to start looking for a pearl of their own. I've never eaten raw clams or oysters, but since somebody found something, I might have to give it a shot. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com